you have your Bibles, go ahead and uh, turn to Psalm 51. We're going to get into God's Word just for the next few moments. And we're going to continue in our year-long series on the book of Psalms. And uh, we're going we're gonna to look and discover some great principles that God has for us today out of the uh, Psalm 51. Now, you know, for the past couple weeks, we've been uh, looking at Psalm 23, and now we're going to go to another popular verse, uh, Psalm 51. If you have your Bibles, let me hear a big amen. So here's the, here's the title. We're going to start here and just see, uh, see what, where God wants to go. How to get it right when you've done wrong. How many of you are here today? And you've at least done at least one or two wrong things in your life. Can I see your hand? Oh, good. We're all honest here today. That's fantastic. Um, how to get it right when you've done wrong. Now, imagine you are on a jury in a courtroom, and the facts have all come out in this case, and it has been discovered that, in fact, the person that you are to stand in judge and jury of was guilty of adultery. He was guilty of misusing his power. He was also guilty of murder and several other things. How would you respond to somebody who misused their power, committed adultery, covered it up, and even murdered? And of course, we're talking about uh, the man who the Bible says had a heart after God. His name was, was David. In Psalm 51... It is an incredible insight into the character of God and his wonderful mercy that is available to all of us. Now, let me have your eyes and ears. As I was preparing for this talk, this may sound weird, but I just got to tell you, I got to shoot straight with you. I really felt that there was going to be people here today that have been under tremendous amount of shame and guilt that you were going to be liberated today and you were going to, you were, I saw like, a, like a, an animal that had been caged up for years. And then one day, a glorious day, the gate was opened up and that animal was able to go free. For whatever reason, I felt that there was going to be people here today as we look into Psalm 51 that you are going to be liberated by the power of the Holy Spirit and you're going to, the shackles of shame and regret and sin are going to be shaken off of you and you are going to come out of that cage a free person because of the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if it can happen for David, it can happen for you, it can happen for me. I'm not going to whitewash what David did because what he did was, was wrong. It was, it was evil. I mean, the consequences, and I don't have time today, but the consequences of what David did are just, it's, they're, 
the ripple effect goes on forever. So I'm not like trying to be a self-help guy here and trying to whitewash and, and be user-friendly and try to coat over, sugarcoat what took place in David's life. In fact, you know the story. We don't have time to go there, but in 2 Samuel chapter, chapter 12, Nathan the prophet confronts David. Powerful verse of scripture. He, Nathan tells David this little parable about a, about a rich guy who had a bunch of lambs and a poor guy who didn't have any lamb, but he had one little lamb. And, 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 and the moral of the story was David heard this story that Nathan told him, and David spoke out and said, that guy is guilty. He should pay four times what he took by, by stealing that one lamb from the poor man. And then Nathan, you know, pointed his finger and said, David, you are that man. Nathan's name means giver. It's important that you and I understand the full context of what's taking place. David was confronted by Nathan, and Nathan was getting ready to give David powerful confrontation of what took place in his life. But Nathan's goal was restoration. Everyone say restoration. David's motivation, Nathan's motivation was restoration. He wasn't pointing his finger at David to uh, condemn or to belittle or to sugarcoat. He was confronting David, watch this, so that David in the midst of his sin... He could be restored. Nathan, his name means giver. Giver of restoration. Giver of hope. Giver of forgiveness. And David was right when he said that man should pay four times. Because you know that not only David had to pay severely for what took place in his life. Do you know that the baby that, that, that he conceived with Bathsheba died? That's number one. Number two, do you know that his son fell in love and raped his niece, Tamar? That was the second penalty. The third penalty was his son killed the other son. And then the fourth penalty was Absalom, his son, died as well. Four times. David paid in addition to what took place with Bathsheba. Are you all with me this morning? Tremendous penalty. Tremendous cost. The ripple effect goes on and on and on. And, and by the way, this is a powerful truth. I want you to understand this. Bathsheba, her name means daughter of promise. What David did was steal the promise that was in the life of Bathsheba. She was somebody's daughter. The consequences of, uh, of sin and adultery, they steal the promise. They steal the destiny that God intends for us to have. So I'm not sugarcoating. I'm not, I'm not trying to swipe over the severity of this topic. And in the midst of the severity, we still have to be reminded today that God is a God of Tremendous mercy and kindness. And he wants to restore. By the way, 
Galatians 6 verse 1 says, if you're really spiritual, you should restore. And I like that Nathan, he pointed his fingers at David, you're the man. But the motivation was, David, you're the man, and we're going to get through this, and there's going to be freedom, and there's going to be liberty. But there's hope because of Jesus Christ. So what do we do when we've done wrong? How do you make it right? And I really believe that there's people here today, you've been under tremendous amount of guilt and shame and condemnation for some of the things that you've done. Maybe nobody knows about Today could be your day where you untap the amazing grace and mercy that's available through Jesus Christ and you can walk in total liberty. Because the Bible says who, who, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Even for David. Even for you. Even for me. Let's go to Psalm 51. If you're with me, let me hear a big amen. amen. Powerful verse of Scripture. Psalm 51. Let me read a couple verses to you. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Some of the most powerful words in the book of Psalms. David wrote here in Psalm 51. How to get it right when you've done wrong. Number one, the first thing you've got to do if you've done wrong and you want to get it right is you've got to acknowledge your need. Your need. Look what David said. Have mercy on me. Watch this, church. The focus is on David. The focus is on his heart. The focus is on what he has done. And he says, God, I want you to have mercy on me. You see, this is not about other people. It's about you. It's not about your president. It's not about your ex-wife, it's not about your bishop, or your pastor. Acknowledge your need. And David in Psalm 51 said, have mercy on me. Did David have any idea that when he wrote in Psalm 23 that goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life, that a few months later, a few years later, he would have to tap in to one of the greatest gifts given to man. It's called mercy. Did he have any idea? That when he was writing Psalm 23 and he ended that beautiful psalm and he said, goodness and mercy, they're going to follow me all the days of my life. Did he have any idea that there would be a woman by the name of Bathsheba? 
Did he, did he have any idea that he would do the things that he did? Did he have any idea that that goodness and mercy that he talked about would one day make itself available to him? And the first words out of his mouth is, have mercy on me. Remember when I had mercy and goodness follow me a few weeks ago? And what did David do in Psalm 51 now? He taps in to the goodness and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he starts out by acknowledging his need. I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. Have mercy on me. I love the fact that he took responsibility and the focus was on him and him alone. I think that we need to take our focus off of other people. Quit blaming other people and acknowledge our need and put the focus on us. Have mercy on me. How many of you are here today and you've tapped into at least once in your life the mercy and the goodness of God? It's powerful, isn't it? So as David declared in Psalm 23, goodness and mercy are going to follow me, the first thing he taps into is the mercy that followed him. Have mercy on me. Number two, if you want to get it right when you've done wrong, acknowledge the limitless grace of God. Look what, look what David said in Psalm 51 verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love and your great compassion. How big is God's grace? I've listed a couple things for you. We don't have time to go there. But the first thing that you and I need to recognize about God's mercy and God's grace is it's new every morning. Isn't that great? Watch this. You wake up on Monday morning and the best thing is not the coffee that you're getting ready to consume to wake you up. The greatness of God is that when you wake up every single morning, what? His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, that's the limitless grace that God talks about. It goes from generation to generation. You'll see some scriptures there. It is unlimited. It endures forever. It can't be separated. It's bigger than the heavens. That's how big God's grace is. That's why John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, that's why he said, Amazing Grace, watch this, how sweet the sound. The guy was a slave trader. The guy would take slaves from Africa and ship them over to the United States and sell them. And one day he had an incredible revelation of the power and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And he penned the words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. How big is God's grace? It's really, really big. Amazing. New every morning. Watch this. It goes from generation to generation. It's unlimited. It's endless. It's, it can't be separated from. And it's bigger than the heavens. That's how big God's grace is. Can I get an amen? amen. Number three. You want to get it right when you've done wrong? Acknowledge the wrong. Simple, isn't it? Look at verse 3. David says, for I know my transgressions 
and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. What I like about David is this. Watch this. He acknowledged his wrong. Now, I'm going to have you say three words with me. Are you ready? And these are, these are powerful words, but you know what? Sometimes we have a hard time saying them, so I'm going to take just a few minutes here, and we're going to practice, and we're going to, uh, we're going to follow in David's footsteps, and we're going to acknowledge our wrong. Here are three words that I want you to get used to saying, and it's going to be really painful and hard for most of you. And here's the three words. Here it is. I was wrong. Some of you have never said that. Three simple words. Can't be that hard. But why is it sometimes that it, in the midst of our need for God's mercy and God's grace, we can't even say three simple words. You know, I love about David. I don't like what he did. I don't like the ripple effect of what took place. I don't like the, the, the death that took place. It was wrong. It's, it's painful. It's evil. In the midst of that, I like the fact that he stepped up and said, I am wrong. So here we go, the count of three. I'm going to have you say those three words. It's going to be hard. I need Bruce up here to play some good music to, to kind of get the atmosphere going. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. I was wrong. Say it again. I was wrong. Say it one more time. I was wrong wrong. See, the, the most powerful step in getting it right when you've done wrong is to acknowledge that you've been wrong. And David said, I was wrong. I wrote a list here just, uh, uh, just, for, uh, just to help us out a little bit of words that we need to say more. Words that we need to say more of. And, and I was wrong is one of them. Can I tell you something, church? Are you all with me this morning? Your husband needs to hear powerful words. Your spouse needs to hear these words. Your employees need to hear these words. Your children need to hear these words. They need to hear words spoken from our mouth so our grandchildren will recognize where our attention and where our focus is. We need to say more words, better words. And here's some words that we need to say more of. And number one is, I was wrong. If you own a business, how about trying that this week? Instead of blaming everybody else, how about just walking in and saying, I'm wrong. Guess what? Everyone knows you're wrong. <laughs> except for you. Just because you're the boss and you write the checks doesn't mean that you've got it all together. Could be possible that you are wrong. Try that this week. You may have a few people have a heart attack, you have to call 911, but <laughs> I'm wrong. Here's some words we need to use. I love you. How about this one? You are worthy. You deserve it. The best is yet to come. I'm sorry. Oh, here's a good one. Please. How can I help you? Thank you. You can do it. I forgive you. I've got your back. You're not alone. Oh, here's one for Tuesday. Election day. Are you ready? This is really going to be hard. Here it is. 
even if we disagree, we can still be friends. Hmm. You matter. Thank you. I'm proud of you. There is greatness in you. See, these are kind of words that we need to, we need to speak more often. Just like David. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. So this is what I did. Here, this is a bonus. This is, this is, this is not extra. This is, this is going to be free today. I went through the nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. And I came up with nine statements that you can say and you can use these words in addition to I was wrong. And I think when you say these words, it changes the culture. For one, number one, for love, I believe in you. Number two, for joy, here's one, I'm happy for you. You know what we've gotten away from? We've gotten away from being happy for other people. Instead of getting on Facebook and being jealous because someone else is on vacation, how about you just step up and be happy for somebody else? It's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's called joy. It would be really good for you to instead of slamming down your phone and going, oh, man, they're on vacation again? Oh, man, they got a new car? How about just show the joy, the fruit of the Spirit, and be happy for other people when they are enjoying success and blessing? Are you all still with me? For peace. Here's a good one. God I'm going to trust you more. I like that one. For patience, here's a tough one. Fruit of the Spirit, patience. Here's something we need to say a little bit more often. I can wait. I don't like what I just said. Because I am impatient. Think about it. I'm getting ready to give somebody my money at a restaurant, and they're making me wait. I don't like that. I want to walk into a restaurant, and I want to be seated immediately because I'm giving them my money. I, I have trouble with patience. So you know what I'm going to say this week? I can wait. That's something we all need to say. Can I get an amen? amen. Kindness. I can help you with that. Goodness. Let me pay. Let me pay for that. You know what I kind of have noticed being in the church for a long time, sometimes Christians are stingy. Not this church. Not you. See, I think we need to have the fruit of the Spirit, and that means being kind, and that means not always taking, but giving. We just illustrated that just a few minutes ago. Not to, we're not trying to show off. We're trying to have a culture in this church of generosity. And we honor Jeff Steinberg and Ellen. We gave him a nice plaque and we gave him a check. Why? Because we want to be kind. And we want to say we are not just takers, we are givers. That's the kind of words that we need to say, I can pay for that. Let me treat. Try it one time. People are going to pass out because you've been receiving and receiving and receiving all these years. How about reaching in your pocket, 
pulling out your dollar bills and paying for lunch once. How many are still with me? That's goodness. Gentleness. No worries. It's okay. For type A personality people, this is going to be really, really tough. How about responding? No worries. It's okay. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be gentle about this. Self-control. Here's a good one we need to say more words of. We need to say self-control. We need to say, it's not about me. It's not about me. And then faithfulness, you can count on me. I'll be there. I got your back. You can count on me. Words we need to say. Are you all still with me? Let me hear an amen. amen. And David illustrated this beautifully when he said the words that are so hard to say, I was wrong. Here's a couple of um, words that we need to stop saying because I think sometimes we are all full of excuses and we need to stop saying some things. I'm too tired. I've been saying that a lot lately. I need to repent for that. Here's something we need to stop saying. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have the right education. I'll forget. I'm afraid. I'm not inspired to. I don't feel like it. I'm too old. I'm not talented. I'm from a poor family. I'm not smart enough. I don't have support. You know what those are all called? Excuses. And David, when he repented before God, he didn't have a list of excuses. I am wrong. I did wrong, and I want to get it right. And it starts with you being honest. It's not about your kindergarten teacher. It's not about your ex-wife or your ex-husband or your ex-pastor. Stop making excuses. Step up and say, God, I acknowledge I was wrong. Please forgive me. Are you still with me? Let me hear an amen. Number three, quickly. I love this one. If you and I are going to get it right when we've done wrong, here's what David illustrates in Psalm 51. Acknowledge the power of the Holy Spirit to transform. Acknowledge the power of the Holy Spirit to transform. Look what he says there in verse 10 and 11. Create. Everyone say create. Create, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Watch this. We're going to close here in just a second. This is the most powerful part of this whole psalm. Watch this. David cried out and said, I'm wrong. I'm not going to offer any excuses. It's my fault. I repent. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the force that enables us to receive the forgiveness that we need. God's able to take a heart that is full of stone and make it into flesh. And that's done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay with me here real quick. Do you know that the first description of God in the Bible was in Genesis 1. Here it is. 
It says, in the beginning, God created. Watch. Of all the things that God has created in this beautiful earth, the most beautiful creation is when he makes a clean heart out of you when we've done wrong. That's the most beautiful creation. His first adjective is he's a God who creates. And look around. It is amazing what he's created. You guys know last weekend for my birthday, I went up to a Buffalo Bills game. I saw the Buffalo Bills and the Packers. I went because my son-in-law, he's a big Bills fan, and I want to stay close to my son-in-law. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to keep that relationship strong and secure. So we went up, and Tammy and I, we went up for a couple days to Buffalo, New York, and we went to Niagara Falls. You guys have seen Niagara Falls? In fact, I got a couple pictures here. Go ahead, guys. Show the, show the picture there, Mel, of, of Niagara Falls. Beautiful. Beautiful. By the way, the Bills won. That was beautiful. Here's Niagara Falls. You've never been there, go there, it's amazing. There's two falls that I've been to that are amazing. One is Niagara Falls, and then there's one in Zambia called Victoria Falls. Victoria Falls is one of the seven natural wonders of the world. It's twice as big as Niagara Falls. It's amazing. Our missionaries, Delbert and Sandy, are from there. Victoria Falls, you got to see it. Now watch this. As beautiful as this is, This is not God's most beautiful creation. Think about the most beautiful place you've ever been to. Grand Canyon. Italy. South Africa. Colorado. Oviedo. Just... What, what, I'm going to get an email from somebody who lives in Oviedo. <laughs> and I don't care where you've been. God's most beautiful creation is when he takes your heart and my heart and makes it clean by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why David cried out. Create in me. God, I know I've done wrong. I know the pain. I know the ripple effect. I know the people that are going to be. But God, somehow would you please create in me a clean heart. You are the creator. You can create some amazing things. Can you take my heart that's filled with lust and power and ego and greed? Can you take my heart and make it clean? Is it possible for you, the creator, to create in me a clean heart, oh God? And by the way, I know you can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't take your spirit from me. See, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that allows the forgiveness 
and the mercy and the grace that's available. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that creates the culture for your heart to turn from stone to flesh and to stand pure and clean before God. I hope that somebody here in Belal Community Church would, would allow the creator of the world to do his most beautiful work in you by you asking the Holy Spirit to come and make you clean. Number five. I love this. Acknowledge renewed joy. David, verse 12 says, restore to me. Everyone say restore. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Everyone say joy. It is possible in the midst of sin and death and destruction and turmoil for there to be a place where God will restore to you the joy of your salvation. And that's made possible because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what we're going to do. I'm, we're going to pray for people that have been shackled from sin and the shame of sin and the guilt of shit, sin. We're not whitewashing it. We're not going to coat it over and just gloss it over, be a seeker-friendly. No. I, I spent the first 10 minutes showing you how evil and how bad it turned out. I'm not sugarcoating anything. You know what the Bible says in 2 Peter, real quick? 2 Peter 3.18, watch this. It says, grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the knowledge of him, to him be glory forevermore. When you get to know God, you will grow in grace. And watch this, and then God gets the glory. You know what happens with, with Christians? This is what happens. I know I've been in this all my life. I'm 61 years old as of Sunday. And the bill's won for my birthday. This is what I find in the church sometimes. That the older we get, less grace, less mercy, more judgment, more condemnation. Peter says, grow in the grace, dude. You've been saved for 75 years and you're not growing in the grace? God is glorified when we release grace into the world. And there's a lot of people that I don't, sometimes I don't, I don't want to give grace to. Neither do you. But it's amazing grace. And if it could happen for a murderer and an adulterer, and then to be called a man after God's own heart, it could surely happen to me and happen to you. I don't know who I'm talking to here today. But if you're here today and you've been years and years of shame and regret 
over something you did. It's time to make it right and just say, God created me a clean heart and restore to me joy. Everyone say joy. We need more joy in the world. There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of anger. We need more joy. And we receive joy when we allow the precious power of the Holy Spirit. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. If you'll do that, you can be free today and be forever forgiven, being a man and woman after God's own heart. Would you stand up across the auditorium? Now, if you're here today and you want to tap into that amazing grace that John Newton talked about, it's available. It's available. Just ask. Ask God, the creator, to create in you a clean heart. And he's going to remove the sin, the shame, the regret, the pain, and he's going to replace it with a renewed sense of joy that's available for you today. Let's do this real quick. Everybody just put your hand on your heart. Everybody. God, I'm asking you to do a miracle today. God, I'm asking you to create your most beautiful artwork. Remove shame and sin and guilt, condemnation. Create in us a clean heart, oh God. We are wrong. We confess it. We know. But we're coming to the source, the creator that can make us new again. Lord, I pray years of shame and regret and heartache will be removed today. God, that you would replace that with a heart of flesh made only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. Change people today and release joy in everyone's heart so they can be free, changed from glory to glory by the power of the Holy Spirit. 